Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode, whether it's your first episode or your 230th episode. Uh, thank you for taking a listen to what we do here at the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. I have been the host of this podcast for about two and a half years, and it has been one of the greatest things I have ever done in my career. Uh, a lot of people who are consultants or professional speakers or other people who are sort of solopreneurs come and ask me all the time, well, how do you monetize your podcast? And I'll be honest with you, I don't make a lot of money from the podcast, although there have been instances where people who listen to this show have invited me to come and speak at their sales meeting or at their users conference, or they belong to an association who is having a large annual event. And they say, hey, I know someone who's a speaker who has a really good topic that could, could manage. So I have made money because people have discovered me from the podcast. And I do the Cool Things Project, which is the group coaching program that for the most part, I only promote to the listeners of this show. And that is, it's a group coaching program. We meet every week uh, and have sort of a talk about what people are doing in business. And it's for small business owners, for solopreneurs, for people inside companies who just want to behave more entrepreneurial, or maybe for people who are thinking, I want to start my own thing and I just want to get my mindset going that way. And we do have members of that and people pay to be part of that program. So yes, I monetize it. But some of these podcasters you listen to, they are cranking money through their podcast. And, and that's great. I admire anyone who can go out and really be successful at what they do. But the intent of this show isn't to separate you from your cash. The intent of this show is to be an inspiring venue where we can talk about things that are important to people who want to be more successful in their careers. And, you know, for me, the actual payoff is it has been like a mastermind brainstorming group for me to be able to try ideas, to work things through. The Cool Things Project, I'm a member as much as I am the facilitator of that group. And then the greatest part of the whole thing is I have had the honor to interview so many people. And two things have come because of that. Number one, I have learned so much from the guests on this show. You know, I, I was told the reason I started the show is I heard a speaker say one time, if you ever feel like you're stuck, get yourself around really smart people who are doing great things. And one of the ways to get yourself around them is to reach out to these smart people and ask to interview them. And the person who was giving the seminar said, go interview 50 people. And you will be in a much better place at the end of those interviews. So I originally thought I was going to just do it on my blog. I was going to do 50 interviews on my blog of people I thought were doing really cool things. And what happened was it transformed into the idea of doing a podcast. And now I've interviewed, geez, over 200 people. And so I have learned so much. I've been exposed to things that the way I think I believe is somewhat differently now than it was before this show began. But the other thing is, is I've become a better interviewer. And now one of the things I do when I serve as master of, master of ceremonies for a conference is I offer up the ability to either moderate a panel or to, to do Q&A as an interview style. So instead of the speaker going, are there any questions and people streaming up to the mic and asking questions, I gather questions from the audience and 
I come up with questions on my own that I think will matter to the audience, and I push the speaker a little bit more than somebody at a microphone might, and we actually are able to turn that Q&A into the most valuable part of that entire presentation. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if it hadn't been for this show. So for those of you who listen, thank you, because we wouldn't have a show if it wasn't for the audience. And today, I want to talk about going to a conference. I want to talk about when you're attending a industry event or a user's conference, how in the world do you maximize your investment of time and money for being there? Because let's face it, you go to these conferences, everybody goes to these conferences for the networking opportunities and the knowledge they can gain. But it used to be that conferences were mainly about that knowledge because there was nowhere else you could learn the cutting edge things that were happening in your industry. You had to go to live events to get that information. Well, now... All the information you could ever want is going to be out there on the web. There is no nothing that you have to go to the conference to learn. If you want to know about a speaker, most likely they have a video. A lot of people have done TEDx talks. There's all kinds of ways to hear from speakers. And, and if not that one speaker, somebody just as smart as them. Because the reality is there's no one person who holds all the answers that you're going to need. So the real value comes from the networking opportunities at these events. And this is something that I have been teaching for a long time, but I love to remind people of my 10 tips to maximize attendance at a conference. And if you think about it, it's really, really important that you maximize your, your time there because you're investing a lot of money. Attending these conferences isn't cheap. By the time you pay the registration fee and you get an airplane ticket and you have a hotel room for four days and then you have to have all your meals and let's face it, at a lot of these things, you know, you might go out for drinks with people. It can get expensive. Plus, if you're traveling to somewhere cool, you might tack on a day so that you can tour that city. Well, if you're going to do that, you darn well had better come back with an ROI. There had better be that return on investment. So I spent the last several days as a speaker and an attendee at the Professional Convention Managers Association's annual conference, which is known as Convening Leaders. Now, this is one of the events that is the holy grail of the meetings business. And I myself consider myself an event professional. That's the term they use to talk about people who work in the meetings world. We're event professionals. Now, I don't think a lot of speakers see themselves as event professionals because very few of them show up at the PCMA events or the MPI, which is Meeting Professionals International, or the ASA, the American Society of Association Executives. And associations put on a ton of events. And so I'm always baffled why my peers don't go and network with these people who could be uh, you know, their clients. And so I didn't just speak. I, I did two presentations, both in the morning, one on Monday, one on Tuesday. I didn't just speak and go home because the conference was held here in Austin. I actually stayed downtown in one of the hotels so I could be across the street from the convention center so that I could participate throughout the whole event because there's, there's value, I, things I could learn, not just from the speakers, but from the people I talk to about what's changing in our industry. And things are changing so much. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Your industry is changing a lot, too. There are things happening that if you're not plugged in to you know the people who are the movers and shakers in your industry, then you don't know what's happening. And, and people tell me, well, I'm a speaker, so I'm in the speaking industry. Speakers are just a subset of that meetings world. We are event professionals. And so I tried very hard to live by my own advice, these 10 tips I'm going to share with you right now while I was at this conference. Now, I'll be honest, three days at a conference with 4,000 people 
it can be exhausting. Even if you're an extrovert, it's draining to really be invested in that conference. However, the day the conference ended, I got an inquiry from somebody I met at the conference wanting me to be the master of ceremonies for a four-day event that they're going to host later on this year. And I can already tell that this is going to turn into not just a one-time deal. This is going to turn into a great client because I really liked the people I met from this association. And it's probably going to be something where over the years, you know, nobody wants to have the same master of ceremonies every year. But a lot of associations are starting to put me on a rotation where I come back every second or every third year. And a lot of that comes from the fact that they know me because I'm committed to that industry. So I'm going to share these 10 tips with you, and hopefully it'll inspire you for the next conference you go to. But it doesn't have to be a giant conference. Even if you go to your Chamber of Commerce luncheon, you should be able to use a lot of these tips. So tip number one is have a plan before you go. Now, have a plan for a conference. Tom, what are you talking about? There's an agenda. I, I go to the meetings. I, I grab a drink. You know, whatever. No, not whatever. Look at the attendee list if you can get a hold of it. A lot of people publish it on their website or on their app. Look at the attendee list and say, who do I know who's going to be there, who I need to know better? Or who would I like to know who's going to be there? And reach out to them in advance and schedule meetings. I had about a dozen past clients who were going to be present at the PCMA convention. Now, I easily could have just said, oh, I'll see you there. But the problem was, is that if I had done that, I may not have seen them there. With 4,000 people, you don't necessarily cross paths with everybody. So I reached out and tried to set appointments with them. And I was able to set six scheduled appointments with past clients while I was on site, which meant that half of the people who I really should see, I already had in my calendar before it started. Now, the six I wasn't scheduled with, I ran into two. But that meant that four people who could hire me again because they know me and, gosh, hopefully they like me, I didn't even see them. I know they were there. I saw them on Twitter tweeting about the party that they were at, but we never crossed paths. So you have to have a plan of who it is you want to see. And if you can get that pre-scheduled, hey, we'll meet for 10 o'clock at coffee during that break at the registration table. That would be the smartest thing that you could do. And additionally, these big conferences, they have a lot of tracks. They have a lot of different things you can attend. Spend the time while you're on the airplane going there or a couple days in advance at your desk just taking a look at who is speaking at what times, what your choices are, so that you can decide in advance what are the must-go-to sessions. One of the ones I wanted to go to at this conference was a local business legend, Roy Spence, local to Austin, was going to be speaking at this conference. And he was speaking sort of in the afternoon on the second day, kind of at the far end of the building. It was somewhat obscure, but he was a priority for me to go and see him. And it turned out it was the best the best presentation I saw at the whole event. I'm sure there were other great ones that I didn't attend, but it was of everything I went to, and I probably went to 15 different presentations, he by far blew it away. If I hadn't marked it as a must-go, if I hadn't written it in my calendar that I had to show up, it might have been very easy for me to blow it off. Well, two great things came from it. One is I got a chance to meet him, and we have some mutual friends. We had a great conversation. We might meet for coffee soon. So making it a priority and having a plan led to what could be a pretty cool connection for me. But addition, in addition to that, I sat next to somebody who was just delightful, and that conversation led to us talking about me possibly working for them. So that is absolutely why you need to plan ahead, because there's, there's so much serendipity that happens at a conference but if you don't have a plan, you limit your serendipity. And I know that sounds silly, because how do you plan for serendipity? 
you plan for serendipity by putting yourself in the middle of the right places at the right time. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is bring plenty of business cards. Now, in today's age where everybody thinks, oh, we're all digital, Tom, I don't need to bring business cards. I'll just tell them to Google me or I can text them my information. You have to remember that not everybody uses these technology tools the same way. So if you say, oh, let me text you, they may not want to give out their phone number to you right when they meet you. That's not the best way to get the contact information or, oh, I'll send you a LinkedIn request. Some people, myself included, prefer not to just link to anybody they haven't had a real meaningful conversation with. They don't think that they should be linking to everybody who has a pulse. Just because someone is a carbon-based life form doesn't mean they need to be in my LinkedIn stream. So if somebody says, oh, I don't have a card, I'll just send you a LinkedIn request. Well, I don't want to link with them if I've only met them for three seconds. We need to establish a relationship first. So you have to honor that different people communicate in different ways. And lots of times people say, well, it's all tech now. Business cards are paper. That's old. There's still a lot of people who prefer the business card. And I'll be honest, some younger people have told me they prefer getting a business card. Now, you know, people go, oh, that's blasphemy. Young people only want to be digital. No, young people want to be as efficient as they can be. And if having a card, a physical card, when they get back to their office is the best way to remember who they met, why would you keep them from being able to be as efficient as they can. So bring a stack of cards. Cards are inexpensive. You don't have to go shove them in everybody's hand. And, you know, you can be judicious of who you give it to. People go, oh, if I give people my cards, they just add me to their mailing list. Well, if you email them your email, they may do the same thing. You can make up excuses all day long. But when you're at a live face-to-face -face event, there is still something about being able to say, hey, do you have a card? making that exchange that not only puts a bow on the end of that little chit chat that you had, but it also gives you something in the physical world to remind you of them later. So bring lots of business cards. Number three, don't just focus on meeting the celebrities. Don't just get in line after a speaker and hope that you're going to meet somebody and they're going to become your best friend. Try to talk to those people who are seated next to you, the people who are like you. I always say you want to find people and grow up in your industry with them. But so many people want to rush and get discovered by the famous people. I see this at the National Speakers Association all the time. I literally watched a woman one time push another woman out of the way so she could sit next to Brian Tracy. If you know who Brian Tracy is, he's a legend as a speaker, right? He was one of the old time, like first people to just be like really famous for being like a sales speaker and a motivational speaker. And Brian Tracy still is active and working and doing new projects. And this lady wanted to meet him and she pushed someone out of the way so she could sit in the chair next to him at a seminar. And I asked her later, cause I ran into her and I said, boy, you really wanted to sit next to Brian. And she said, oh, I speak on similar things. If he just discovered me, I could do his overflow and I would be famous. That's not the way it works. The celebrities and the famous people in your industry don't look to discover somebody. Oh, it happens, but it happens by accident. It's never the person who throws an elbow who gets that person to bring them along. However, most people who build a long-term career do so by really gelling with other people who um, they grow up with in the industry. So show up at these events and look for people who are like you. If you're new to the industry, find other people who are new to the industry. If you've been in it 10 years, look for other people who've been in it 10 years and find those peers and build your relationship with your peers. Don't think that some magic mana is going to fall from the sky because you met one of the celebrities in your industry. Tip number four, talk to the people who are sitting next to you. 
I watch people go into lunches and sessions and general sessions and they plop themselves down and they pull out their phone or their tablet and they spend the entire time glued to what's going on on the internet. Somebody comes in and sits three seats away, does the same thing. Now, it used to be more than a decade ago, you would walk into a breakout or a lunch at a conference and you'd sit down and someone else would sit down and you'd awkwardly look at each other and then one of you would say, so where are you from? And a conversation would ensue. Well, those days are gone because everybody's buried in their phone. Be the person who smiles at somebody and starts that conversation. Because if you go to a conference and you don't talk to anybody, you have left most of the value behind. And tip number five is ask questions of the people you meet. So much time is invested in learning an elevator pitch. And I'm not here to say that elevator pitches are bad, but we spend so much time teaching people how to craft an elevator pitch about themselves that when they meet people, they say hello and they flick a switch in their back and they just decide that they have to just give them all the information about them. If you were really in an elevator and somebody saw you and realized they could sell to you and they said, hi, my name is Tom Singer. I have a podcast. I speak all over the country. I've written 12 books, blah, 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 just verbal vomit all over you. When those doors open of the elevator in the lobby, you would run. So don't do that in a networking situation. Instead of talking about yourself, ask questions of the other person. Have a conversation with them. Now, there are times and places where you have to be able to clearly and concisely talk about yourself. So giving thought to how to pitch is really important. But don't lead with it. Tip number six, put your technology away at certain times. I'm not saying technology is bad. I love my technology. I am as married to my iPhone as anyone you have ever met. However, when I am at a networking function or I'm on the break by the coffee or I sit at a table at lunch, I keep it in my pocket because if you're staring at your phone, no one's going to talk to you. And if you're not paying attention to the people around you, you're not going to build connections. So there's a time and a place for your technology. And sometimes people are like, oh, you can't say that to the millennials. They, they love to multitask. That's not true because when I talk to the people who are in their 20s, they go out to dinner with their friends. They demand that they do a phone stack. People put their phones on the table upside down. Nobody can touch them until the bill comes. The younger generation is saying, we don't believe we should be on our phones all the time. And that person in their friend group who is always on their phone and rudely looking at it while someone's talking to them, that person's getting pushed out of the friend group. That person is being not invited to social events. So don't kid yourself and say, we have to be on our phones at all the time. Choose wisely when you're on your technology. Number seven, and I mentioned this sort of before, don't automatically send Facebook and LinkedIn requests to every single person you meet at a conference. Only the people you have meaningful connections with. I have a rule. I want to sit down and have a cup of coffee, a meal, or a beer with you before I link with you on LinkedIn or Facebook. Now, following someone on Twitter or Instagram, that's different. That's a one-way choice. But LinkedIn and Facebook, those are a mutual. You have to accept that follow. Don't do it right away. A two-second conversation is not a reason <clears throat> is not a reason to, to, to send someone a link. I like to sit down, have that coffee, meal, or beer. I actually call it the coffee, meal, or beer rule. I link to people I've had real conversations with. Number eight, if you meet somebody and they write a blog or they have a YouTube channel a YouTube channel or they have uh, uh, a really active presence on social media or they've written a book, if you meet someone and they do that, read their stuff. If they have a podcast, download a couple episodes and listen to it. Nothing gets my attention more than when somebody says to me, 
I listen to cool things entrepreneurs do. If somebody writes or they do other ways that they share their information, take the time to listen and then let them know you listened or you read it and you liked it. So read their stuff or listen to their stuff is a great tip because it shows them that the effort they're putting out there is getting noticed. Tip number nine, when you're at a conference and you meet some couple people who are really cool, introduce them to each other. Say, hey, come over here. I want to introduce you to Mary. I met her earlier and the two of you would really get along. Be that person who is a connector. If you're a real connector, you're going to find that you're making a huge difference for people. So be that person who connects others and they will always remember you for it. And tip number 10, follow up. Meeting people once, <clears throat> meeting people once at a conference does not make them part of your network. I don't care how great your business card is. I don't care how witty you are on LinkedIn, sending them that connection. Meeting them once doesn't make them part of your network. Meeting them once makes them not even an acquaintance. Meeting someone once makes them someone you have met once. And there is a huge difference between meeting someone once and having that long-term mutually beneficial relationship with them. So you have to own the follow-up. You have to decide, what am I going to do to build that relationship? How am I going to follow up with this person to make sure that this relationship goes farther? I believe if you meet somebody really worthy, send them a handwritten note. Take a minute and write them a note that says, I really enjoyed meeting you. I have a stack of business cards from this PCMA conference where I spent the last three days that is about 30 cards deep. I met a lot of really cool people. Now, I met more people, but I don't send a handwritten note to everybody. I sort through and say, did we have a meaningful conversation? Is this a person I hope our paths cross again? Maybe I can help them. Maybe they can help me. Maybe we could just be good friends. But choose those people. And sometimes it's a lot. And writing 30 handwritten notes, it takes me several days because my handwriting's not that good and my hand cramps up and I'm busy and I'm distracted. And be honest, nobody wants to send a handwritten note. But over a career of doing this, I have had so much success because of people I've sent a note from who come back later and we end up doing business together or they bring me an opportunity or they refer me. It makes them feel special. If you send them an email or a text that says, nice to meet you, they might reply, nice to meet you too, but it's a blip. It's gone. It's deleted. It's digital. It's ether. It's in the air. When you send them a handwritten note, human beings are still tactical. They touch it. They feel it. They have to open the envelope. Your business card is in it. They feel that. They see your logo. It really does make a difference when you take the effort. Plus, when you do a handwritten note, it tells people, I didn't just cut and paste this. I took a minute to do it. You're worth that. You're worth more than a like, a link, a share, or a follow. That really makes a difference. And then tip number 11. Yes, I realize I said there were 10 tips, but there's 11 tips. Because tip number 11 is do more than others expect. When we go to these conferences, there's a lot of people who are there for themselves. They're trying to get information for them. They're trying to network like crazy and shove their cards in everybody's hand. But don't be what they expect. Be the person who's at the conference to serve others. Find a way to help people. I talked earlier about being a connector. Invite them out to dinner. Make sure that if somebody's standing alone, you invite them into your little conversation cluster. Find a way to do more than others would expect of you. Try to be that person who makes other people's experience at the conference better, and you will forever be remembered for it. If you attend the conference as, I'm not here just for me, I am here for everyone else, you will touch the soul of somebody and make their conference better. And if you do that, the rewards will come to you. You will have the ROI that we talked about. So this was my tips 
for how to maximize attending a conference. I hope that some of them resonate. Hey, it's only January. I bet those of you listening will attend several events this year. Put these tips into practice, and I promise you will see a difference. Hey, I'd love to thank the sponsor of this episode because I couldn't do this show if it wasn't for Podfly. Podfly Productions is a company that if you want to start a podcast, you absolutely should work with. They take all of the headache out of creating a podcast. They do all the technical work. They set you up with training. I can't say enough great things about podfly.net. And if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, you have to go to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer they have for the listeners of this show. I swear so many people I know have called them and said, thinking about a podcast, can you answer some questions? And they'll talk to them. They'll answer all the questions. And they call me back and they go, the Podfly people are absolutely crazy, fantastic. Yeah, they are. And they do sponsor my show, but I'll tell you what, even if they didn't, I would brag on them all day long. I'm really happy that they're a sponsor of this show. Now, I'm going to be back in a couple of days with another episode. So I want you to think about coming back if it's your first show. Maybe go backwards, pick a few that sound interesting, and listen. If you like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. If you want to join the Cool Things Project, just go to TomSinger.com, pull down the About button, and there's a a tab that says uh, Group Coaching Program. All the information you need to know and want to know is right there. So... Come back, listen to more shows. It is such a delight when people reach out to me and say, your show matters. I hope that this episode mattered. All right, we'll be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody really cool. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.